Wolfing down food science. And it's summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime, 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 some, some, summertime, 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 summertime. And you guys did not know that Keith could sing. One of his many talents. Yes. Well, it is summer, everyone. Welcome back to Wolfing Down Food Science, the summer version. Yeah, and here in North Carolina, if you are in North Carolina or anywhere in the South, you know it's summer. It's just a tiny bit humid. Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> Thankful for AC and and all that kind of good stuff. Well, we're doing a lot of different summertime activities, um, one of which is headed to conferences in person to see real people. What? Uh, real people at a conference? Yes. Yes. What's that like? I guess we'll see. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It, it seems so far back in the distant past, but it yes, really does. <laughs> we're about to head out to the IFT, which is Institute of Food Technologists annual conference in Chicago. So that's our uh, professional food science uh, conference for the year. And I think it's going to be uh, really, uh, really a nice one out there in, in Chicago. So uh, yeah. very excited for that. And Paige, you just returned from the beach, right? So how was that? I did. It was very nice. Our weather was not quite as humid as it is now, so it was very, very pleasant. We snuck out right before the tropical storm warning happened. So. Oh, oh, that's, that's always good. Good timing. Yep. So it was good, but now the reality of, of work sets back in. So we're excited to go to conferences. And Teresa isn't with us today because she has some exciting news of her own. She is very busy packing up her life and relocating to... Med school. Yay, Teresa! <laughs> we are so excited for her and so proud of her. This is something that she's been wanting to do for a while and she's been working towards and she has achieved her goals. So on to the, the next phase of her career, becoming a doctor. Congratulations, Teresa. We are so proud. Yes, absolutely. So in the interim, we kind of thought it might be nice, since we have three whole seasons now of Wolfing Down Food Science, to um, rebroadcast some of your favorite episodes. Um, so what do we have on deck, Keith? All right. Well, we are going to talk about where do spoilage microbes come from? So why does mold happen? And why do things go bad in your refrigerator? Why does this occur? And uh, that'll be the first one. The second one is talking about preservation chemicals, all those chemicals in our food that we talk about versus processing, which is another hot topic, uh, processed foods and ultra processed foods. That's the second one. The last one is water and what it's doing in our food. Is it active or is it on vacation? Like some of us have been. Um, yeah, so. It's summertime for water. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Good time to talk about uh, water and water sports. So um, those are our top three episodes. So we really hope that you'll enjoy those. And that will get us all the way up through our new season, which is Ooh, sustainability. Sustainability. All right. Well, 
We hope you have a great rest of your summer, everyone. And again, we are so happy for Teresa and her uh, her med school news. So, yes. <laughs> Congratulations. All the clapping. All right. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, and welcome to episode one of Wolfing Down Food Science. Preservation is not a four-letter word. Really? No, it's not. <laughs> I promise. It's like 10. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess it's, a few, it's a few more letters than, than four. A word about this new podcast, Wolfing Down Food Science. You may have guessed that we started recording this podcast during the pandemic, so we were all in our homes with limited equipment. As we progressed through the season, we discovered some things that helped along the way, but you might hear things like my grandfather clock in the background or some interesting warbling due to the fact that we were using Zoom or Skype to record our sessions. Bear with us as we figure out how this new world of podcasting works in the middle of a pandemic. Well, we wanted to start off here because I'm curious, what do you all think when you hear the word preservation? Which I think it has pretty, pretty positive connotations. So um, to me, it means that I, I get to have crops beyond their harvest season, that I have food um, of many, many choices in, of food, in fact, all year long. So for, for me, as a food scientist, it has very positive connotations. But I realize that that's not true for everybody. I used to think it was only four letters, really. Um, but now after taking FS201, I really understood the world of food science, understood why we need it. And there's a really big history to preservation and why it is the way it is today. Well, I think this word preservative uh, certainly has somewhat of a negative connotation. So I'm wondering why that's the case. I mean, why why would that word, you know, if it means that, yes, you're going to have food um, for the entire winter or this food will last more than just a couple of days, why is that viewed as a bad thing? Well, when I think about when I go to the grocery store, I'm seeing on packages, no preservatives, no additives. So when they're marketing the like front big headline labeling, you only can assume that it's bad. And then you hear media going down the rabbit hole of what they think preservatives are. But then I realize they don't even have that much scientific backing. So I think there's a lot of misconceptions that are out there today. Well, and preservatives definitely can be harmful. If you don't have them in the correct amount, it's all about dose. You don't have them in the correct amount in food, you can get too much of a preservative in something that's harmful to human health. So um, dosing things correctly and doing the proper uh, scientific study to look at effects of particular compounds on human health is an important part of the preservative equation. So I think one thing to think about is what is a preservative in the first place? Um, you know, the idea that you add an ingredient or in the case of water, you take away that ingredient and a food lasts longer. That's really the essence of 
of preservation. So preservative is really an ingredient that allows a food to last longer. What preservatives would be would be bad in the wrong dose, do you think? Man-made ones, right? I think like ones that can be made in the lab. So man-made chemicals are actually synthesized chemicals, um, and they're not necessarily a bad thing. Oftentimes they're derived from um, naturally occurring chemicals that are there already. So um, a good example of that might be something like nitrates or nitrites that are used to preserve meat and keep bacteria like Clostridium botulinum from growing. Um, nobody really wants botulism. <laughs> so, right. so if we can prevent that from happening, that's a good thing. Um, and those types of chemicals like nitrates and nitrites are, are present in naturally occurring things like celery. Um, they're actually higher concentration in celery than they are in something like bacon. Um, okay, I got to get, get on my soapbox here because there are lots of uncured, quote unquote, products in the grocery store. And if you go look at an uncured product, what it says on the back is celery powder, celery juice, celery something. They are adding naturally occurring nitrates or nitrate materials through the celery. So it's not that the ingredient isn't there, it just comes from celery. So is that, that to me is no different, but maybe from someone else's point of view, that is different because it's coming from a natural source. Um, yeah, I mean, I view it as the same. How would you all view it? I think when you hear celery as a preservative, that sounds optimal. Who wouldn't want to use naturally occurring compounds to make our foods last longer? Um, what gave like salami and prosciutto um, with nitrates that negative connotation versus celery, which is kind of the natural kind of welcoming uh, preservative? <laughs> right. Yeah, there's definitely, chemically, they're the same compound, but the source is a little bit different. Right. So, Does it digest the same? Um, and I, I believe so. Keith, can you speak to that? Yes. Yeah, so, so basically the idea is that with, with nitrates and nitrates, uh, nitrates, the major concern is that these materials in the stomach can form things called nitrosamines. Um, and those nitrosamines can be potentially cancer-causing uh, compounds. However, if there's enough vitamin C present, that, uh, that transformation won't occur. So the key is, I think, not necessarily avoiding um, all of these products, but I think the key is making sure that you have a balanced diet that includes, say, a source of vitamin C when you're consuming these other products. So I think this really gets back to that idea of, of balancing your your diet. Um, you know, some of the earliest preservatives um, in foods were things like salt and sugar and also smoke. So none of these things are healthy in really high proportions. They just are not. Too much salt, too much sugar, and too much too much smoke, which has some potentially cancer-causing properties as well. None of these things are helpful in high quantities, but in the right 
quantities, they could be quite beneficial and extend the life of the food. They can serve as a preservative. I know that is a vice in nutrition science as well. Everyone's always asking, what's right? What's wrong? Too much sugar, cut out the sugar. But I think this translates in food science as well, is that moderation is really important in every science, knowing balances and and really how our body can't go to one extreme or the other. That's really something that we have to emphasize. Well, I think it's important, too, to say sometimes we use processes like heat and we use packaging and things like that to preserve foods. So my cousin went over to my grandma's house and he was really hungry. It was lunchtime and there wasn't anything ready. But my grandmother, having lived through the Depression, went to her cabinet and she pulled out this jar of canned meat. If you've never seen this stuff, it's it looks pretty disgusting. It's basically got all of the congealed yellow fat and all these other things. She pulled out a jar of this canned meat that incidentally she had canned 25 years previous to that day and served it to my cousin. And my huh? cousin survived. So I'm happy to hear that. Well, yes, <laughs> Maybe too. not the best culinary experience, but <laughs> I'm sure it was not the most flavorful meal that he ever had. But I think, you know, it points to this idea that some combination of uh, a process, in this case, it was it was heat, um, heat based canning, plus very stable packaging. And that's the this, these glass mason jars or or what have you um those two together preserved this food for 25 years and it was safe enough that he ate it and he did not get sick so i think that's kind of amazing so you have there the process a package and then we already mentioned these chemical ingredients salt or sugar all together those things are part of preservation well and that's that's sort of one of the most important things with preservation is the safety of the food. You're not going to eat it and you're not going to die. We want to prevent that. And you're not going to get sick, right? So that, that's level one of preservation. But also a part of preservation is preserving the quality. So is does it still taste like what it was? Does a canned green bean still taste like a fresh green bean? Maybe not, but it'll be around for a long time. So that quality aspect of we want it to preserve the flavor and the texture as much as we can within reason. And we also are interested in preserving the nutritional quality of, of something. So preservation is, is really like trying to balance a seesaw. You want to preserve the food to make sure no one gets sick or dies from eating it. But you also really want to try to maintain the best quality of the food uh, with taste and flavor and nutrition that you can. Um, and there's definitely a give and take relationship there. Well, today, one of the things that we're trying to do with new preservation technologies is get closer to, I guess the industry term would be a more fresh like appearance or texture or flavor or nutritional profile. So the idea is trying to get to that point. But this has really been 
an evolution. So it, you know, the the canning that I mentioned that uh, that allowed my cousin to eat 25 year old meat and survive that experience goes far much farther back than that. So uh, around the time of the American Civil War, a boat loaded with cans of peaches sunk in the Mississippi, and it was discovered 150 years later. And when those cans of peaches were open, they were recognizable as peaches. Now, I would not have eaten those peaches. <laughs> However, the fact that they were recognizable as peaches after all that time is kind of an amazing thing. So that's where preservation is really starting is canning. And, you know, that's kind of a kind of a harsh, crude process. It certainly degrades some of the things about the food, but we're getting a lot closer to the point where we can keep foods in a very fresh-like state for a long period of time. I think um, we not only are using processes, but as you mentioned before, Keith, packaging as well. Um, there's been some really incredible developments in packaging more recently, say in the past 20 years, with development of material science of plastics and things like that. Um, there's a, a packaging manufacturer that is near to us in North Carolina that creates packaging that, for me, that has a sealed skin um, for it, a vacuum sealed skin on it. So instead of having, if you've been to the meat counter and you've seen the styrofoam packages with meat inside and it's wrapped in plastic, this package actually takes that plastic and conforms it to the surface of that meat that's inside of it. And I know for one um, meat manufacturer and distributor in Australia, it allowed them to extend their shelf life or how long that meat was good for two weeks. And so now they could ship all around the continent of Australia versus just in their little area that was close to them. It eliminated a lot of food waste for them, increased their profits. So um, taking that food and packaging it differently is, is another really amazing development. So we've got processes, we've got the four letter word preservative, still under debate. And we've <laughs> also got some packaging there that can, can do a lot to preserve food. Thinking about what they had for options in packaging before we had all this vacuum tight sealing <laughs> and all this great new technology, they really only had wood, glass, and anything else you guys can think of. Um, I like, maybe bury it in the ground. I know my dad <laughs> said he used to make ice cream by burying it in the ground, and I can think really much more of what food science has been brought into this like industry for. It's not even just for preservation. It goes so much farther than that. It's more e efficient and it's, and it can reach so many more people. And we're now growing as a society because we have preservation and because we can focus our attention on other things and not worrying about where we're going to keep all of this food and even like if it takes a lot of space there it's so multifaceted well you know Paige mentioned this idea of balance and i think that's so important uh i think you know the idea of adding the right amount of whatever material might extend the shelf life of a food but no more 
using the right packaging, using the right process, just enough heat, but no more. I think all these things in balance are going to uh, dramatically improve the the food experience. And I think the other part of that is the sustainability. I think we we can all agree that throwing away perfectly useful food or having food that uh, rots instead of being able to be used is something that we don't want to have happen um, anywhere around the world. And so this idea of preserving foods in a way that's responsible that prevents this um, that that prevents this uh, waste, I think, is a very important important counterpoint to the idea of, um, you know, this idea of preservation being a strange or an odd or, or an, a, a negative thing. So anyway, that's kind of what it comes down to for me. There's two sides to every discussion, always. <laughs> All about balance. I heard there were three sides. <laughs> well, in this podcast, yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, true. I guess that's right. In this, in the case of this podcast, so there's there's your side, Teresa's side, and, and mine. I guess I was thinking of of an of another saying, which was um, three sides to every story: your side, my side, and the truth. <laughs> and so, I think I think we're we're seeing a lot of a lot of that. Uh, potentially come out in uh, in the news these days. Well, we've talked about a number of ways of preserving foods. Uh, some of them are chemical, so you add something to the food. Some of them are about processing, where you would heat a food or, or uh, potentially freeze it, different ways of, of uh, preserving it that way. There's packaging, glass packaging, there's, there's ceramics, there's all kinds of different ways of preserving a food. But one thing we haven't mentioned so far, which is an ancient preservation method, is fermentation. So fermentation has been used for thousands of years to preserve all kinds of different foods. So I, I think you could almost say it's the uh, the most natural preservation because <laughs> it just happens sometimes accidentally. And maybe that's sort of where it started is there were these microorganisms that were present on food and they ended up growing and producing acid and preserving the food. And people noticed that they could consume this for a longer period of time. And actually sometimes it changes the flavor and taste. Fermentation is the idea of uh, letting microbes, could be yeast or bacteria uh, or even mold, let them transform a food material from one form to another. And that could be grapes, grape juice to wine. That could be, well, I mean, I, I grew up close to an orchard and uh, we would almost always get two gallons of cider when it, when it was the season for that. And one of those gallons went out on the front step for about two days and the other gallon went straight to the refrigerator. So the gallon in the refrigerator was for the kids, and it, as you expected, was sweet and and you know very much like apple juice, but kind of cloudy. The stuff on the front step uh, had bubbles in it, and the container kind of swelled up. And I noticed as a child, it it was carbonated. Um, 
you know, when the adults weren't looking, I, I tried a little bit of it. I was like, oh, this is very different. Um, so that was right. My first introduction to hard cider. I had no idea what that was, but these started out as exactly the same thing and they became really completely different. That could be apple juice or apple cider to hard cider. That could be uh, fermented barley to beer. So uh, that's real magic that happens with uh, with fermentation. So we've talked about a lot of different parts about uh, related to preservation. And there are a lot of parts and we are going to be talking about them each individually in their separate episodes as we move through through the season of wolfing down food science. So we're really excited to delve into these conversations a little bit more, and we hope you'll come back and join us. If you'd like to find out more about our new podcast, Wolfing Down Food Science, please check out our website where you can find our show notes, reference links, and more. You could find out more about NC State, our food, bioprocessing, and nutrition science department, and FS201, the amazing course that has brought us all together on our website as well. Thanks for tuning in to Wolfing Down Food Science. See you next time.